Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. <laughs> yeah, I've started recording. Oh, she loves I'm it. She gets crazy in. like that. She gets in straight away. Here we go. Here, here we go. go. Here we go. Here we go. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to Chick's Tree. My name is... Oh, why can't I think of a name? The pressure, the pressure of a name. Of a name. Cinder fucking Rella. Well, I'm the prince. <laughs> Perfect. Let's leave it at that. Oh, I know. What? You can be um, Julia Roberts. Welcome to Chickstree. I'm Julia Roberts. And I'm Danny Moda. Isn't that funny that I know her husband's name? I wasn't expecting that. Wow. Wasn't she married to some... Yep. Achy breaky heart guy. Lyle Lovett. Lyle Lovett. Yep. And she was married, she was about to be married to Jason Patrick when Kiefer Sutherland swooped in while oh. they were making flatliners and broke up their engagement. Oh, she like married that. Lyle Lovett without shoes on. Did she? Yeah. I don't I know why. Yeah. I'm. Questioning that myself, why do you know so much about Julia Roberts when you're not the biggest Julia Roberts fan? Like I wouldn't list her. You know a lot about her relationships, which is which is a good kind of useless skill to have. Well, like you know trivia. how I do love, you know, I'll just tell you random things about the person in the mm-hmm. show we're watching. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's that from years ago. I know these things about her from that kind of thing. Yeah, because this is a good segue into um, you having to um, visit the hospital this week. How's that a segue? Have we segued that? Stay with me. Okay, okay. Um, Which we'll come back to. We'll circle back around. But um, you did have to visit the hospital this week. You're fine. You're okay. You're on the mend. It's all good. But... um, I went to your house and um, fed the dogs and stuff, and then waited for you to come home. You, when you, I don't know if you remember, if you remember much of what we talked about, but you were off your face <laughs> on endone and on something endone. else, whatever else they gave me in hospital. And I was watching, I've started watching Nashville from the start and you came in and sat down next to me and started to tell me every little fact about every single person on the screen. And it was, (laughs) do you remember? No. Oh, you were like. Do you know that they got those those, those two sisters? First of all, they were going to just only get one girl, but then they got both of them. And so Lennon and Macy, Macy and Lennon, Lennon and Stacey, whoever they are, I don't know, but the both of them, they got them. And now and then they rewrote the script. Oh, yeah. they did. Did you know that Connie Britton? Did you know that Connie Britton? <laughs> oh, I, I remember telling you that the blonde oh, girl was Australian. That's all. Blonde girl was Australian and you just every single person that came up on it was like my IMDb addiction, which is real, was oh. in overdrive. It was in overdrive and then you just kept saying, God, I'm off my face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you, Endone is good, but only in the beginning. 
Yeah. After right. after a while, it becomes a constipated, hallucinate, hallucinogenic mess of, and I, I'm not. I only took it that night, oh, to be honest. Yeah, um, you were worried about that because I thought it gives me constipation. Mm-hmm. And I was glad. I was welcoming for mm. the constipation that night. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. So yeah, Which I had tell the listeners what um, my, I've had a few weeks of abdominal pain and it's been constant but you know manageable. Um on the weekend was my birthday. I had two birthday celebrations. Um I don't know if this had anything to do with it, but I had a few drinks and I couldn't drink drink, which yeah. is normally not me. Um, and then by on Sunday I woke up and I was in pain and mm. it just increased and I ignored it. You mm. know, I, I, the man in me came out and I ignored it. Yeah, you said that. You were like, oh, I think it's just a cramp or something. Yeah, it just it, it and it just got worse and more, it like intensified to the point where I was doubled over in pain and dragged myself to the GP just to get something. I don't know what. I wasn't thinking straight. I was exhausted because I had not slept. I was on the loo every half an hour and um, thought, just talk to the doctor. They'll hopefully give me something. Turns out I had what was called melina, which is a bleeding of the um, stomach, and they rushed me to hospital and gave me a CT scan and said it's probably, it could be one of many things, diverticulitis, it could be an ulcer, it could be a tear. I've had a gastric sleeve done. It could be something to do with that. Um, It could be a hernia. It could be so many things. So they did discharge me with pain meds and to stop the bleeding and they said that we'll book you in as an outpatient to get the camera down the throat and up Mm. the bum. Oh, side note, I thought this year was going to be boring. But you know what? 2020 delivers. I got a finger up the bum. Just in time too. Yeah, November. I I almost went without. I thought this year was going to be sexless. Oh, well, there you go. No, Well, there I go, all right. I went. (laughs) Jesus. That poor. And you know what? He was such a good-looking young doctor. Yeah. in the hospital oh, and I, I apologize yeah. he kept apologizing to me I'm so sorry I have to do this and I went I'm sorry to you I have been on the toilet for the last 72 hours so I'm really sorry about with what you're about to look at oh dear anyway like no dignity hey just oh. all gone just see you later you know when you're in those bloody gowns yeah. with the, with the gaping out the back Oh, um, it, it definitely <laughs> humbles you, doesn't it? <laughs> but did I tell you how um, the poor, the, the nurse, that they can I just say nurses, oh, my God, they really are the unsung heroes. And I yeah. know actually we do mm. sing their praises, everyone does, but mm. we don't enough. They are so good at what they do and they are just as good as doctors. Yeah. And they have the bedside manner and they have, and they work together. Like they really have this lingo with each other and they, you know, no stone is left unturned. Mm. Um, And I think that's what keeps doctors doing their job so well. Yeah. It's like a well-oiled machine, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So I heard um, the, I was discharged. So the nurse had to come and I had a um, thing in my arm. I had all this shit on my um, 
what do you call it? I've still got all the sticky, sticky pad residue all over me, you know, so they can monitor your heart. And I had the, the, the uh, ouch on your arm thing, you know, and it goes every, and it squeezes, squeezes the shit out, blood pressure. Yeah. Then, anyway, so he heard something and I don't know what he heard, but he went for it. He was like, I'm out of here. And he, I could hear him in the next cubicle going, no, Doug, you've got to keep it in. It's very, very important that you keep that in um, to a old lady. And so I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm looking at all this equipment all over me. I'm like, I could do this. I can get this off, you know, make his job easier. So I did. I took all the ECG stuff off. That's easy. That hurt. Um, Easy to take that blood pressure monitor off. The thing on my finger, that was gone. All I had left was my intravenous drip. Oh. needle to go and I was like I can do this mm. so I did it but oh. it squirted <laughs> oh no oh and then I found a band-aid and I fixed it and I came home and I was like I was off my face and I was talking about cat. Nashville yeah it was great it was, it was cool. um it was entertaining I've got to say but I'm glad that you're on, on the mend thank you getting, um getting and I just had my naturopath appointment just then and she's putting me on some beautiful calming stuff for my stomach for the next six weeks because it's going to take weeks to get that outpatient appointment. Is that, yeah. See, that's the thing with public health is mm. you got to wait. Yeah. Well, there you go. So there you yep, go. Um, if I have to run, mm-hmm. make sure you do the Evie's Doing a Poo song. Poo song, yeah. Um, yeah. We've got oh, that oh. now. Um, yeah. But. The rest of my life now involves I have windows I've realised. I have windows of my life. I know the building up of the pain. Yeah. And I know how long I've got. So I have to be close to things. I can do things still but I have to be close to home. Close to home or just close to a toilet or your your own toilet? Yeah, I think mostly my toilet. I just don't want to do that to people. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. I mean, you can blow your own bowl up, but yeah. come on. Don't take, come the, on don't take the piss, Evie. Yeah, come on, Evie. <laughs> How's your week been? You've been a little bit of a, a, <sighs> a saviour this week, so that's good. Thank you for um, coming to my rescue so quickly oh, and feeding my oh dogs. And can I say you and Lisa Spunner just dropped everything and was by my side, the two of you did worked as a team. Talk about nursing. Worked as a team. Got the dogs fed, picked yeah. me up, all of the yeah. things that need to be doing and done. Do you need any food? Do you need anything else? Do you just need some company? Yeah, of course. That's what friends are for. That is what friends are for. It is a bit weird, though, when I go to your house and I know that you've got the dog camera on. Yeah, I did look at you at the end. watch me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I couldn't find you and I was like, she's gone. And then I looked, noticed, I saw an empty bottle of wine <laughs> and I saw feet on the lounge and I saw Pete first. An empty bottle of wine. Behind that was Pete. I could just see his face. So I took a photo of it, a screenshot of what I was looking at and sent it to you, me and Lisa in our WhatsApp group or whatever uh, and said because um, me and Lisa are answering in the, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the trio and I'm like, yeah. why aren't you? Are you on the phone? And that's when I looked and yeah. I was like, oh, Annie's asleep. Jeez. And I said, did I send the photo? 
No, you no. didn't see the photo, but you were, I knew that you had looked at me on the camera, which I is looked, weird. But, yeah, um, but then I saw your feet moving and then I get a text and it went, I'm awake. I'm awake. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I nodded off watching Nashville. That's well, what happens. But, um, and I didn't natural. finish the whole bottle of wine to myself. Thanks very much. No, I, I didn't say you did. It was an empty bottle of wine, though. <laughs> 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 it was implied, wasn't it? It was implied. But, um, yeah, apart from saving your puppies mm. from starvation, um, <laughs> I, I reckon Sissy could live a couple of months without. I, <laughs> I, um, I've just been Diana obsessed this week. Oh, yes. I finished The Crown and then I watched the doco, in her words, on Netflix, which is. Is um, that a good one? It's really good. It's secret audio recordings from 1991. So she talks all the way through it. And who um, recorded them? So a friend of uh, there's a journalist Andrew Morton wrote a book. Mm. Mm. And, I remember that. Um, yeah, and so one of her friends um, recorded a conversation with each other. Um, everything's sort of come out recently that she didn't know that. It was going to be used for the book and somehow she was tricked. I don't know. There's some weird stuff around. I haven't sort of um, gone too far into that. But the doco is just, I mean, it's just heart-wrenching. She describes her wedding day as the worst day of her life. Really? Yeah, and it's and it's her talking with footage at the time. So yeah. it's just it's so Real. chilling. Yeah. You're there, you're there. Oh, you're there. And I just watched, you know, I bawled my eyes out at the really? end. I really saying. felt just so sad for this for this woman. Um, she went and, through a lot, didn't she? Oh, it's, and, uh, you know, I think when it happened, you know, in, in 97 when she died, I think a lot of people remember sort of, you know, where they were, what they were doing. But And I remember watching the funeral as well on TV and, and kind of, being sad but I just didn't I don't think we understood how sad her life had been I think no. we were sort of like oh when did the Andrew Morton book come out um I'm not sure before her death yeah right. so there yeah. were people who would have known there were people that that we would have known unless no. you were a loyalist yeah you just didn't know all you knew was you liked her yeah, and you knew other people really liked her. Yeah. And you're like, why? What's so special? And then you sort of, this really, if you're like our age, you know, like 40s, 50, you know, 45, 40s, yeah, 40, 40s, 50s, see, you really get a, a really good understanding of just what she was going through back then. And I'm, also listening to a new podcast that I found, which is really good, called You're Wrong About, and it's basically they sort of debunk a lot of people who have mystery or intrigue around them. So they they do like episodes on like Courtney Love and OJ Simpson oh, yeah. and Anna Nicole Smith and um, they do like world events like the Y2K bug. And anyway, he does they do a five-part episode, uh, series um, on just on Diana. Wow, five parts. You're wrong about Princess Diana. Wow. And it's five parts, right? So it go, they go so far. But um, they go right into the royal family as well. And just this week the the guy who does it, he's a journalist from Huffington Post, does it with a girl who is also a, a writer. Um, but I just wanted to read this thing that he says about the royal family, which I thought was just so good. This is from a 
a woman. So her name is Hilary Mantell and she's written an essay on the royal family and I love this. She does an analogy of the royal family um, being like pandas and let me let me just read this to you. She, she says, I used to think that the interesting issue was whether we should have a monarchy or not, but now I think that question is rather like should we have pandas or not? Our current royal family doesn't have the difficulties in breeding that pandas do, but pandas and royal persons alike are expensive to conserve and ill-adapted to any modern environment. But aren't they interesting? Aren't they nice to look at? Some people find them endearing. Some pity them for their precarious situation. Everybody stares at them, and however airy the enclosure they inhabit, it's still a cage. Yeah, it's true. Pandas. Isn't it true? They are pandas. It would suck. They're not as cute as pandas, though. Yeah, it would suck. I think it would just suck to be a part of the royal family. Yeah, it really would, wouldn't it? Yeah. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. No. So, yeah, so I've just, I went down a, been down a Diana hole and. um, I read. um, Slowly coming out of it. Yeah, look, hole up, I say. Hole up, hole down. Um, I. Read a really interesting article this morning because you are not the only one who's going crazy mm. with it. Everyone mm. is going crazy because of the crown. Mm. Yeah. Um, and um, the documentaries and everything. Mm. But what I found really interesting and, and a lot of other people are finding interesting is how Camilla is copying it all over again. Yes. The vitriol of it. But Prince Charles is not getting anything again. Again, just it's like all back then. The, yeah, she copped yep. it. He didn't. Yeah, she was never cheating on anyone. Camilla never ever did. Well, she was married. Okay, she cheated. She cheated. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, she, she never. Che- she never ever cheated on Diana. No, that but- was all Charles, and he's just not copped what he should have copped. Yeah, no, but but you know what? If you listen to this podcast, the, the you're wrong about it goes into how being married in the UK in those circles, it was actually very accepted to ha- to have affairs. Um, as long as you kept face, with as the long royal as you kept face. And she said to him, apparently, Camilla said to him, will you just marry her so we can just continue on with our affair? Because while you're not married, they're going to keep, you know, wondering about us. So if you get married, then we can still carry on our affair, you know. Why didn't they just marry each other? Because she was already married and... And he he couldn't have married a divorcee. That was like... He couldn't have married a divorcee because she wouldn't have been the queen. Yeah, that's right. She couldn't be. She could be, be the queen. No, that yes. wasn't like that guy that abdicated before King Charles, Correct. King George, yes. his brother. Yes, he yes. married Wallace Simpson. Yes, yeah. Twice so, divorced. Mm, mm. Oh God! They had a very. I mean, and this is the other thing you learn is that their love, Camilla and Charles, it's very sad from from mm. Charles's point of yeah, view. They were never sorry. allowed for it, were they? Because he lo- like he really loved her. Yeah, he still does. They, they love each other. They, they love, love each other. other. Yeah, that is the true it's love. Love that's lasted. Yeah, that's it? the true love story. But it's just a shame that Diana yeah. had 
get had caught to, up in it. Yeah, she was collateral damage. Mm, and it's yeah. funny because I remember when um, Charles and Camilla got married and, like, royalists, you mm, know, the, the mm. plebs, the public were, like, up in arms and I'm like, why can't they get married? They love each other and they've loved each other for years yeah, and they're still right. together and they s- seem to really enjoy each other's company. So isn't that what you want? The, exactly. The royal family, there's some fucked up shit. That whole that whole monarchy is ridiculous it is ridiculous it, it is, is so unneeded and unnecessary yeah, yeah and it does just does nothing but be classist and mm-hmm. i mean i yeah. i find the crown interesting because you do see just how much work a queen or king does do mm. but fuck off you don't need to but fuck off but fuck off Fick off, Mike. Yeah, Fick yeah it's off. strange. Anyway. Who's your chick in the now this week? Yeah, let's get into my chick in the now. Uh, is it your turn? It's your turn to do a song, please. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah Whoever did you do there. last week? Oh, do you want me to do my own yeah. chick in the now song then? Please. It's just a little chick in the now. <laughs> Don't laugh. A little chick in the now. It's just a little chick in the now, chicken now in the now, now, now. Very nice. That was um, inspired by Chicago. Oh, was it? I thought you were doing a bit of Elton John. No, Chicago, the band. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, right. Do you know what I mean? I thought you were doing a bit of um, my song. Yeah. And you could tell everybody. I'm the chicken chicken now. now. (laughs) That's very good. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to talk to you today about a lovely lady called um, Rachel McPhail. And um, you might not know her name, but you might know her campaign that she's recently um, just succeeded in getting through Australia Post. Do you know what this is? No. So Rachel McPhail was studying social work at um, Charles Sturt University and she was asked to come up with a project where she could um, kind of look at the big picture and the way that big systems might impact a minority group. Yeah. So she decided that um, when she was going to send uh, um, a package one day, she put her her Aboriginal place on the package yeah. as well as the address. <gasps> yes. And it ended up, I yeah, do know what you're talking about now. This is great. Yeah, it ended up being delivered and she thought, oh, okay. So she decided to contact Australia Post about making it an option, like a legit option, so that in the address section um, they could put in the uh, traditional land and Australia Post said, fuck yeah, let's oh, do it. Wow. So it, she made the campaign public during NAIDOT week and the fact that Australia Post had gone behind her um, and she's also talking to Australia Post about creating a database of place names um, so that people can search their suburb and then find out what their um, yeah. land is called, what the land is called. There is that map that exists, but apparently I learnt that that actually there's some um, inaccuracies in that. Because oh, I have that map. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, apparently there there are there some are? Inac- right. inaccuracies in that. So she oh, is trying. I spent $10 on that. 
she is trying to get, um, yeah, trying to get a database. So, so just like you would look up a postcode for somewhere, you would look up the the place. So, yeah. um, so anyone now can do it if you know the um, traditional land, um, the place name. You can add it. They're telling you to add it after the person's name and company. So, if you're sending it to a company, but before the actual address. So, just if you if you follow that system it's it's not going to stuff up the australia post um australia post system but her instagram is place underscore names underscore in underscore addresses uh and yeah she was um lucky enough to get you know people behind her to ask australia post to start adding traditional place names as the official part of australian address info so wow that's so cool you because I really want to know that um where I am yeah yeah and where you're sending things to as well like what a great way to start educating people yes this is Um, the kind of stuff we need it's good that um Australia Post is doing something good (laughs) because they've really been copying it yes you know bringing upon themselves this year but copying it haven't they they're finally doing something good although there'd be a lot of racists who go who cares yeah, I know, I know. And there's also like this has also sparked a little bit of debate around, you know, we all know how to say hello in probably, you know, three or four different languages, but do we know how to say hello in local Indigenous languages? No, and that's right. I've I've yeah. often, remember I told you about my teacher in Year 5, Mr Hillier, who was mad for the Indigenous culture. He used yeah. to teach us heaps of things that were not on the curriculum. And that got my first interest in um, Aborigine people, as we called them back then. And um, I remember asking many people all the time, like for years, would say, why don't we learn, especially getting to high school, we um, had Mm. to learn German, French and Indonesian. Mm. Mm. They were Mm. only three languages that we were on offer. And I would like, why are we not being taught Aboriginal? Yes. And I would be told the same answer every time because they have so many dialects. I'm like, and we can't you learn one of them. Rachel. Rachel, good on you. What a chicken the now you are. Yeah, she did it. She's changed. I mean, she's literally changed the way that we address packages in Australia. Good. I'll be addressing from now on. Yeah. I always give people my pastor locker address because things get stolen at the front of my house all the time. Yeah. And that would just be added on. Because I always cut and paste, copy and paste it. Yep. That will be just at the bottom in. with it. Let's uh, step back in time. All the confusion and nothing is Do you know, I have to say, we mention Kylie a lot. Do we? Yeah, we reference her a lot. And I'm Why okay with that. that. I'm okay with that too. We can reference, you know, we're just like Seinfeld. You know, in every Seinfeld episode he mentions something, he references Superman. Really? Every single episode. All right. Well, ours will be Kylie. I'm sure we'll be able to do it. Supergirl. Superwoman. Girl. Jesus Christ, Evie. Today, yeah. our chicken history is a woman called Vera Lynn. Vera Lynn. Heard of her? I feel like I have. Yeah, everyone has. Let's start, shall we? Early do life. It. Vera Margaret Welch was born in East Ham in Essex on the 20th of March, 1917. She... Essex. Essex, the only way. <laughs> Can you do an Essex accent? 
uh, Bobby, <laughs> I don't know what, what you think this is, Bobby, but I let's go to my buyer. At the end of the day. At the end of the day. <laughs> at the end of the day. At the end of the day. born in East Ham, Essex on the 20th of March, 1907. I'd always turn into a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so she was the daughter of a plumber, Bertram Samuel Welch, and dressmaker Annie Martin. They married in 1913. In 1919, when Lynn was two years old, she fell ill with diphtheric croup. A witch? Diphtheritic croup. Oh. And nearly died. Diphtheria and. Diphtheria, yeah, yeah. I think it was a big thing back then. Yeah, yeah. She nearly died. She was sent to an isolation unit and was discharged after three months there. Oh. Two. As oh. a result of her hospitalisation, her mother was very protective of her and did not allow her to visit friends or play in the street for a long time afterwards. Lynn recalled her mother was not as strict with her elder brother, Roger, as she was mm. with her. They mm. just added that in. I love that. Yeah. She did recall that, Lynn. She began performing publicly at the age of seven mm-hmm. and adopted her maternal grandmother's maiden name, Lynn, as her stage name when she was 11. Her first radio broadcast with the Joe, was the Joe Lo- with the Joe Loss Orchestra oh. was in 1935. At this point, she appeared on records released by Dad's Bats, including those of Loss and Charlie Kunz. In 1936, her first solo record was released on the Crown label, Up the Wooden Hill to Bedfordshire. Oh, classic. It was classic. It really was. This label was absorbed by Decca Records in 1938. Mm -hmm. She supported herself by working as an administrative assistant to the head of a shipping management company in London's East End. Didn't she? Didn't she? She's gone down East End now. No, what I mean? No, I mean. Hello, 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 hello. How's your father? Throw your leg over. Just go going down frog and toad. I see. A couple of Britney Spears. Is that even one? I don't think that's one. Yeah, that's one of the new ones. Oh, is it? Yeah. Britney Spears. What's that? Couple of bees. Oh, couple of bees. 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 Oh, I do get. Oh, yeah, I've got now. What's the pub? The the rub and tug. The rub and tug. Going down a rub and tug to have a couple of Britney Spears. <laughs> Just gotta gotta walk down a frog and toad. <laughs> okay. After a short stint with Lost, she stayed with Kunz for a few years, during which she recorded several standard musical pieces. In 1937. She made her first hit recordings, The Little Boy That Santa Claus Forgot oh. and Red Sails in the Sunset. That's a Midnight Oil. I think that's a Midnight Oil album, Red Sails in the Sunset. I bet they stole that. Fear Lynn. What's Red Sun? Red Sails in the Sunset. Yeah, okay. Okay. So wartime career. Lynn's wartime contribution began when she would sing to people who were using London's tube station platforms as air raid shelters. She would drive there in her Austin 7 car 
Between 1937 and 1940, she was also she also toured with the aristocrat of British dance bands, Bert Ambrose, as part of the Ambrose Octet. The group appeared on broadcast for the BBC and for Radio Luxembourg. She left Ambrose in 1941. Lynn is best known for the popular song. Are you ready? Yeah. You'll know it straight away. Okay. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know where. But we will meet. Yeah, that's her song. It was written by two guys. That was her song, still to this day. Her song. She first recorded it in 1939 with Arthur Young and later again in 1953, accompanied by servicemen from the British Armed Forces. The nostalgic lyrics, we'll meet again, don't know where, don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Aww. Were very popular during the war and made the song one of its emblematic hits. During the phony war. What's the phony war? I thought you'd ask that. I'm looking it up. I, I have looked it up, but I yeah. just have to go over to it. Okay. The phony war was an eight-month period at the start of World War II during which there was only one limited military land operation on the Western Front when French troops invaded Germany's Saar district. That's it. That's what the phony war is. The end. Yeah. So during that war. It sounds like a cartoon war. It sounds like a fake war. Phony. Yeah, you're a fake and a phony and I wish I'd never laid bombs on you. (laughs) Yep. Okay, during the phony war, the Daily Express asked British servicemen to name their favourite musical performers. Vera Lynn came out on top and as a result became known as the Force's sweetheart. (gasps) Was she a bugle girl? No, they're American. Oh, shit. Yep, okay. In July 1940, Lynn made her first appearance as a fully-fledged solo act in Coventry. Her continuing popularity was ensured by the success of her radio program, Sincerely Yours, which began airing in 1941, with messages to British troops serving abroad. However, in the aftermath of the fall of Singapore in 1942, the program was taken off air for 18 months out of fear that the sentimental nature of her songs would undermine the virile nature of British soldiers. Instead... What make them soft? Maybe. Mm. Instead, more traditionally marital, no, martial classical music was promoted. I don't know why. Marital, martial. Well, it sounds like they were like, well, don't get all lovey-dovey because it'll make you too soft and you need to go out and fight a war. Yeah, right, okay. So let's give you like. That's ridiculous. Get out there and fight that war. Da, da, da. As opposed to. Killing, machine, get out. Little people. Yeah, that's it, as opposed to like lovey-dovey. Yeah, okay. Lynn and her quartet continued to perform songs most requested by the soldiers. Lynn also visited hospitals to interview new mothers and send personal messages to their husbands overseas. Her other great wartime hit was The White Cliffs of Dover. Uh, Yes. In 1943, she appeared in the films We'll Meet Again and Rhythm Serenade. It had a really nice sequel called Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson. 
<laughs> yeah. I bet you she's like one of those, you know, that you know, you know, you see those war movies and like the 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 guys are like sitting around smoking cigarettes on their, you know, when they're not fighting and then someone pulls out like a dog-eared photo out of their pocket and like she's on one of the photos. Oh, that's, yeah. like, that's what I'm picturing like her yeah. to be like this. Oh, you know, when they when they um go back into the town, like into the city, they've just all arrived and they're at a dance and it's her yes. song that comes on that brings yes. them all out. Yeah. Yes. So um during the war years, she enjoy she joined the entertainment she joined the Entertainment's National Service Association and toured Egypt, India, and Burma, giving outdoor concerts for British troops. Between 1942 and 44, she appeared in three movies with wartime themes. In 44, she went to Sham Shernagar Airfield in Bengal to entertain the troops before the Battle of Kohima. Her host and lifelong friend, Captain Bernard Holden, recalled her courage and her contribution to morale. In 1985, she received the Burma Star for entertaining British guerrilla units in Japanese-occupied Burma. Post-war career. Lynn's Alvesang Sviethart mm-hmm. in 1952 became the first record, record by a British performer to top the charts in the United States. Really? Remaining there for nine weeks. Wait, what year was this? 1952. Wow. Avidasane, sweetheart, that was the song. Oh. Just let me know if you want to hear any of these songs, by the way, because I do have them all. Okay, play one. Well, which one do you want to hear? Avidasane. Okay, here we go. So we can get sued. No, I don't have it handy, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Let's not play it. We might get sued anyway. Yeah, that's true. You know, knowing our luck, it'll be like bloody Sony or someone who'll just like come oh. And they pr- they probably are listening. Uh, every episode yeah they do they have like these you know spies yeah that's true Mm -hmm. anyway the lyrics were ah this lovely day has flown away the time has come to part she also appeared regularly for a time on Tallulah Bankhead's US radio program The Big Show oh the little show yeah (laughs) I'm going to do The Big Show (laughs) a a little show oh shit this is a bit of saying. What do you think? Bang up. We'll meet again. Okay, that's that song. That song, along with Homing Waltz and Forget Me Not, gave Lynn three entries on the first UK singles chart. Hello. Her popularity continued in the 50s, peaking with My Son, My Son, a number one hit in 1954, which she co-wrote. 1955, Lynn began her first television series and in 1955, again, signed an exclusive contract with the BBC for two years of radio and television work. Oh, contract. Good on it. Yeah, in 1960, after nearly 25 years, she left Decca Records and joined EMI. She recorded for EMI's Columbia, MGM and HMV labels. She also recorded Lionel Bart's song The Day After Tomorrow Mm -hmm. for the 1962 musical Blitz. 
She did not appear on stage in the play, but the characters in the play hear the song on the radio while they shelter from the bombs. In 1967, she recorded It Hurts to Say Goodbye, a song which hit the top 10 on the Billboard Easy Listening chart. Oh, you know about Easy Listening. Who was the guy, love song dedications guy? Richard Mercer. He would have loved that song. Vera Lynn was the subject of This Is Your Life on two occasions. 1957 when she was surprised by Eamon Andrews at the BBC Television Theatre and again in 1978 for an episode which was broadcast in January 1979 when Andrews surprised her at the Café Royal in London. Vera Lynn, this is your life again. (laughs) Vera Lynn, this is still your life. Life. (laughs) She's like, what? What are you doing? I've done this my life. She co-hosted, no, she hosted her own variety series on BBC One in the late 60s and early 70s and was a frequent guest on other variety shows such as the 1972 Morecambe and Wise Christmas show. 1972, good year by the way, I was born. She was a key performer in the BBC anniversary program 50 Years of Music. In 1976. She's been going for a long time. Oh, you're going to love this woman. In 1976, she hosted the BBC's A Jubilee of Music, celebrating the pop music hits of the period, 1952 to 1976, to commemorate the start of Queen Elizabeth II's Silver Jubilee year. For ITV, she presented a a 1977 TV special to launch her album Vera Lynn in Nashville. Yes. Segway. Segway into Which included pop songs of the 60s and country songs. Oh, What yes. can't she do? I don't know, but, did she, I mean, how old is she now? 60? At this point? Yeah. She was born in 1917 and it's the 70s. We're about to go into the 70s. Yeah, so she's like She's old. old. Maths, do the um, let's You do it. The Royal Variety Performance included appearances by Vera Lynn on four occasions, 1960, 1975, 1986 and 1990. Shut up. Lynn was also interviewed about her role in entertaining the troops at the, in the India-Burma Theatre for the World at War series in 1974. Lynn is also notable for being the only artist to have a chart span on the British single and album charts reaching from the chart's inception to the 21st century. Shut up. Yep. In 1952, having three singles in the first ever singles chart compiled by New Musical Express and later having a number one album, We'll Meet Again, the very best of of Vera Lynn. Best of. Best that's, what they're, that's what they're, they're getting, trying to get Connie Britton to do on Nashville. She's oh, like, they, oh. I'll only do a best of when I'm 70. Yeah, good on her. Yeah, but good on her. Let it go, Connie Britton. Do a best of. <laughs> Jesus, I, Steps have just done a best, best of. I was listening to it last night while I was gross. Really? Yeah, they have. The bird scooting baby is driving me crazy. I think Vera Lynn appears on that as well. No, um, they've released a new album. Oh, and done wow. a best of. Steps are going off. They're, they're not steps anymore. They oh, are 17, 17 of them in the band. 
like only three microphones are turned on, but that's yeah. fine. Oh, God, yeah. brilliant. That reminds okay. me, you know, just quickly I'll tell you a little segue into that. When I was coming back from Portugal, because I went to Portugal for the MTV Awards, I was on the plane sitting next to the Pussycat Dolls manager and um, just by chance and um, I and the, I was so hungover and the plane, there was something wrong with the plane and we ended up sitting on the tarmac for two hours and um, so I just started chatting to this guy and he's telling me about the Pussycat Dolls and blah, blah, blah and he goes, he starts telling me that um, that they only turn two of their yeah. microphones on. I don't know how we even got onto it, but he was just, I think we were both a bit pissed again by then. He's like, oh, yeah, no, no, we only, we only, there's only two two mics that we actually turn on. The rest of the other girls are just miming. He said, that's just there for a prop. And I'm like, oh, okay. The dancers. They were, they were the dancers. Yeah, but they all sing, but they don't they do. Sing. But they're not, well, they're singing. We're just not hearing them. We just don't hear them. Bless them. Anyway. Brilliant. I, I, I just wonder how often that happens in other bands. All the time. I know it happened in Wings. Yeah, that's Paul right. Johnny like that. had yeah. to shut Linda down. We'll just turn it down. She won't know. Yeah, no. She knew. But she Sorry, won't. back to anyway, you, Later years. Lynn sang outside Buckingham Palace in 1995 in a ceremony that marked the golden jubilee of VE Day. Which is? I don't know. What is VE Day? What do you think it is? Veterans something day. Vict- victory in Europe. Oh, okay. Whatever. The United Kingdom's VE Day ceremonies ceremonies in 2005 included a concert in Trafalgar Square, London, in which Lynn made a surprise appearance. This woman just will a, not stop. She won't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. <laughs> She made a speech praising the veterans and calling upon the younger generation to always remember their sacrifice and join. She's 105 now. Yeah, well, she's 103 at the moment. She calls upon the younger generation to always remember the sacrifice and joined in with a few bars of "We'll Meet Again." Oh, this would be Lynn's final vocal performance at a VE Day anniversary event. Okay. 2005. Yeah. Following that year's Royal British Legion Festival of Remembrance, Lynn encouraged the Welsh singer Catherine Jenkins to assume the mantle of the force's sweetheart. In her speech, she says, These boys gave, yeah, these boys gave their lives and some came home badly injured, and for some families, life would never be the same. We should always remember, we should never forget, and we should teach the children to remember. In September 19, we've gone into the 20s. In September 2008, Lynn helped launch a new social history recording website, The Times of My Life, at the Cabinet War Rooms in London. Lynn published her autobiography, Some Sunny Day, in 2009. She had written two previous memoirs, Vocal Refrain in 1975 and Will Meet Again in, in 1989. In February 2009, it was reported that Lynn was suing the British National Party for using the White Cliffs of Dover on an anti-immigration album without her permission. Oh. Her lawyer claimed the album seemed to link Lynn, who does not align with that political party or the party's views by association. Wait, hang on. 
the 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 anti-immigration party put out an album yeah they dropped an album in 2009 <laughs> called don't come here we're full <laughs> Fuck off back home. We grew here. You flew here. <laughs> One of their smaller hits. How odd. Okay. Yeah. How fucking entitled is that? Yeah. And yeah. how sad that people would have bought it. Totally. In 2000, uh, 2009, September, at the age of, what What do you think? Uh, I reckon she's like 83 right now. 92. 90, shit. Lynn became the oldest living artist to make it to number one in the British album chart. Her compilation album, Will Meet Again, the very best of Vera Lynn, entered the chart at number 20 on 30th of August and then climbed to number two the following week before reaching the top position, outselling both the Arctic Monkeys and the Beatles. What? With this achievement, she surpassed Bob Dylan as the oldest artist to have a number one album in the UK. Oh, my gosh. What year was this? 2009. Nine. Wow. 92. In wow. 2014, Lynn was one of 200 public figures who were signatories to a letter to the Guardian opposing Scottish independence in the run-up to September's referendum on that issue. Mm. In May 2015, she was unable to attend VE Day 70, a party to remember, in London, was interviewed at home by the Daily Mirror. Three days before her 100th birthday in 2017, a new LP entitled Vera Lynn 100 was released through Decca Records, the album setting Lynn's original vocals to new re-orchestrated versions of her songs. Also involves several duets, with people that I've never heard of before, Alfie Bow, Alexander Armstrong, Alad, Alad Jones, and the oh, RA. Alad Jones. Huh? He's a country singer, Alad oh, Jones. Alad. Yeah. Good honour. And the RAF Squadron Airs. I'm assuming That's they're. That's so cool. Telephone, which owns Lynn's later recordings from the 60s and 70s, released a collection of her songs recorded at Abbey Road Studios entitled Her Greatest from Abbey Road on March 10, 2017, including five previously unreleased original recordings. By October 2017, she was the best-selling female artist of the year in the UK, having sold more albums than artists like Dua Lipa and Lana Del Rey. Oh, my Lord. Lynn received two nominations at the 2018 Classic Brit Awards for Female Artist of the Year and Album of the Year and was also the recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award. About time. Fucking hell, that. that's a career. Jesus. In January, nine, in, like I keep saying 19. <laughs> in January 2020, a new painting portrait of Lynn was unveiled at the Royal Albert Hall in connection with the 75th anniversary of the peace in 1945. The portrait is painted by Ross Colby and was unveiled by Lynn's daughter, Virginia Lewis-Jones, and Britain's Got Talent winner, Colin Thackeray. The painting will be on permanent display at the venue when Lynn, where Lynn performed 52 times between 1937 and 2006. 
The documentary film Dame Vera Lynn, The Voice of a Nation, premiered at the unveiling ceremony at the hall and tells the story of the force's sweetheart. And oh, of, can of, we watch that? Is that available? Absolutely. I'm going to watch it. On April 5th, 2020, the song We'll Meet Again was echoed by Queen Elizabeth II in a television address she delivered addressing the COVID-19 pandemic. For the 75th anniversary of VE Day, Lynn and Catherine Jenkins duetted virtually, Jenkins singing next to a hologram, at the Royal Albert Hall, which was empty due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, wow. Vera Lynn died on the 18th of June this year, 2020, in her home in East Sussex, aged 103. Oh, I've got goosebumps. I'm getting a bit emotional. Holy shit. Tributes to Lynn. See, this is where I normally go at the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've yeah. got more this one because she's such a special woman, this one. Good. Oh, I just got to wipe my eyes. Got a bit teary there. Oh, you're right. Tributes to Lynn were led by the royal family with Queen Elizabeth II sending private condolences to Lynn's family and Clarence House issuing tributes from Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall. The Prime Minister Boris Johnson and Leader of the Opposition Sir Keir Starmer also led with tributes in Parliament, while musicians like Sir Paul McCartney and Catherine Jenkins and public figures like Captain Tom Moore discussed her profound impact. On the day of her death, regular programming on the BBC was stopped in order to air tributes to the singer. Oh, I've I've got tears with this one. It's, yeah, what a life. Wow. Yeah. So they're just campaigning. You know Catherine Jenkins? Yeah. Who we just mentioned. She is now campaigning to erect a statue of her by the White Cliffs of Dover. Yes. Lynn was given a a statue. Yeah. And she was given a full military funeral, which was held on the 10th of July this year in East Sussex. The procession made its way from her home in Ditchling to the Woodvale Crematorium in Brighton. It was widely attended by the public. Ditchling was decorated with poppies, a symbol of military remembrance. Ahead of the funeral, the White Cliffs of Dover had images of Lynn projected onto the... Oh, this is making me cry. As well as We'll Meet Again was being played across the English Channel. Oh. Oh, sweetheart. Her cortege was accompanied by members of the Royal Air Force, the British Army, the Royal Navy and the Royal British Legion, as well as the Battle of Britain Spitfire fly past, which followed the cortege and passed over Ditchling three times. Her coffin was draped in a Union flag with a wreath. At the family service at the Woodvale Crematorium Chapel, she was serenaded by Moyle... by a Royal Marine bugler. Her family have said a public memorial service will be organised with the same sometime in the future. That's it. Well, you finished that one off, didn't you? Yeah, Jesus certainly did. What an incredible woman. Do you think she All has? All did but... was entertain people and that yeah, yeah, it has yeah. so much she, weight to She it. would have brought so much light and joy. Yeah. Yep. To people who were just facing the most awful, 
awful times. Yeah, just and there's so much in that. This is why it's so incredibly important to fund the arts. Yes. Because, you know, there are surgeons and there are people doing amazing things in this world, but what entertainment does, Mm -hmm. you know, I've not cried like this for any of the other women we've done. No, you haven't. But I just think that the the legacy that she's left behind and the amount of uh, performances that she's done that would just Mm. bring a man to tears. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And the fact that she still, after all that time, you know, was able to still come back in the charts. So she's still <sighs> relevant. Relevant. You know, to, to people so do that. Many people people. Do that. They got her in the charts. Yeah, exactly. That can't be done by anyone else but the public. Yeah, that's that right. That is, a, you know, testament to just how important mm. someone like her is. Yeah, so that, important. That song, you know, as soon as I said it, you knew that song. We yeah. know that song so well. Yeah. So. Beautiful story. Well I'm done. Oh, yeah. You ready? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my computer's frozen. <laughs> don't ruin the moment. Come on. Come on, don't ruin it. Oh, here we go. Here we go. It's coming. Oh, let's say goodbye with a smile, dear. Just for a while, dear, we must part. Don't let this parting upset you. That's the first lyrics of that song. Oh, my God, someone just wrote in the comments, Vera did not die. She went to meet old friends. Oh. Oh. True, she would have lost. again don't know where don't know when but i know we'll meet again some sunny day oh is that beautiful so beautiful so vale vera oh vale vera lynn yeah what a, what a chicken history she is that's incredible i wonder if she is the Longest running career artist ever. Mm. She would have to be. We'll look that up. Yeah. There's your homework. That's, I mean, that's incredible. Uh, Someone only told me the other day, oh my God, and I'm just about to do another Kylie reference. (laughs) (laughs) That she's the first. Artist to have a hit in every decade or something like every because I know that Cher is Cher's had a a hit in every decade. I don't since the the sixties, and so is Tina Turner. Eighties, nineties, thousands, tens, twenties, five decades. Five decades. Number one album. That's incredible. Alcohol. And it is, it, it is incredible because I think that especially having like worked in the music industry, I think it's so, music is so like transient these days. Like it's not, it's very hard to kind of, for a new artist, I think, to come out as an album artist, you know, like to come yeah. out as, a, as an artist with a body of work that is like, you know, how well, I think we talk about this all the time, you know, how, how it used to, you know, album artists are completely different and that's what 
you know, these artists that have been around for a long, long time and keep coming back, it's that they've got that sort of um, foundation of of the, of that's, you know, what people expect kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so I just think it's, um, it's and it's, yeah, it's so hard to, I mean, for her to come back into the charts after all those years, yeah. that, still- that many people to, to buy an album and to beat, you know, Arctic Monkeys or whoever yes. touring at the time yes. is <laughs> incredible, absolutely yeah, incredible. Yeah, it does. It really does. good on you you made it all the way through to the end so these are just the credity bits but don't stop because these are important please rate review and subscribe as it helps other people just like you find out about this podcast executive producers of chickstery are me annie potatoes and evie jones our producer slash editor slash water boy slash wine boy is sam peterson Follow us on Instagram at chickstreet underscore podcast and email us at mychickstreet at gmail.com. Oh, and check out Sam's podcast, Confessions of the Idiots. It's great.